So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into your sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? This cup that is spoken of here is a cup of wrath. A cup of wrath. In fact, it tells us in Psalm 75, For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red. Welcome, everyone, to Truth in Christ Radio, a Bible teaching radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Rochester with senior pastor and teacher Rob Kellogg. When Peter took out his sword, Jesus didn't praise him for what he did, he told him to stop. This was to protect Peter as much as to protect those who came to arrest Jesus. Most of all, it was so that Jesus could drink the cup the Father gave to him, which was the measure of suffering and judgment he would endure. Peter's impulsive action was more likely to get himself and his companions into serious trouble than to do his master any good. Even if Peter's action had a better chance of success, Jesus would allow nothing to stand in the way of his bringing to completion the work which his Father had given him to do. Now here's Pastor Rob. Simon Peter, verse 10 says, Having a sword, he drew it and struck the high priest's servant and cut off his ear, and the servant's name was Malchus. His name was Malchus. And I love, in the other gospel accounts, it doesn't tell us who the name of this person was who drew the sword. But John, because John and Peter were like this. They were close together. John didn't have any problem saying, yeah, it was Peter. And I love the, they they must have had a really great friendship, you know, together. And the, uh, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, they say, somebody drew a sword. One of them drew a sword, but Peter, or but John says, no, it was Peter. It was Peter who drew the sword. And notice, cut off the right ear of the high servant, or the, the servant's, uh, the high priest's servant. Cut off his ear. And that was a big deal because when they would anoint the priest, they would always anoint the right ear, the right thumb, and the right big toe on your feet. They would anoint those things. And now Malchus, he's missing his right ear which to the high priest, that would be significant. But Peter had a sword, and I don't believe that Peter was aiming for his ear. I believe that he was going to take his head off, but Malchus moved, or the sword glanced off his head and took off his ear. Peter was more than likely right-handed, and think about this. If somebody's standing, and when I, when I read this, I, had a, I was thinking about just bringing somebody up as a vision. Yeah, come on up. Yeah, just, just stand right here. Okay, so here is Malchus, and here is, here is Peter. And most people were, you don't have a sword, I do, sorry. But he, he pulls his sword out, and it probably happened very quickly, and he just pulls it off like this, and he goes like this, and at the last minute, he turns his head, seeing it coming, and it just takes his right ear right off. 
Peter was aiming for the head. He was going to take his head off. Thanks, you can sit down again. Thanks. I'm glad his head is still on, by the way. He's a great guy. But I believe in this act that Peter was trying to redeem himself, to show his devotion to Jesus Christ, because he, even though he was rash and he was misguided, Peter did this perhaps because of what the Lord had told him in the upper room just prior to this. Remember what he said to him. He said to him, Simon, Simon, indeed, Satan has, desired, has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned to me, strengthen your brethren. But he said to him, Lord, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And he said to him, I tell you, Peter, the rooster shall not crow this day before you will deny me three times that you even knew me. And I think after Jesus, and, and that other scripture that's there too, is just as you know, Peter said, even if all were made to stumble, yet I will not. And really it just speaks of Peter not really knowing who he really was. And to prove himself. And you can see it. And, and I've got to give him courage. I've got to give him credit for the effort that he made. Because here he is. He, the Lord already told him that he was going to deny him. And now he's standing in front of the saying, he's like, you know what, I am... To save my, to redeem myself here, I know I had a big game, well now I'm going to bring out the big game. And so he takes out the sword, and he goes at it, and the Lord says, put your, put your sword back into the sheath, Peter. You have a lot of zeal, but with no knowledge. This is not about me fighting this. The battle has already been won. <laughs> Got to do this. Put your... Sword back up in its sheath, and I even like what he does. He reaches down. Luke tells us this. None of the other gospels tell us. But Luke reaches, or Jesus reaches, reaches down and picks up his ear, and he walks over to Malchus and he grabs. I, I, I just, I vision this. Doesn't it blow you away? An enemy, one who has come toward him, and he picks up the ear, and he holds him by the hair, by the head, and he sticks that ear, and immediately his ear is restored. Can you imagine? Loving your enemy like that. Jesus says, You've heard that it was said, You shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you and pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. And he put that on display that night, didn't he? So let me ask you, whom or what are you seeking? You know, the world is seeking God and many are seeking him through the lens of a false uh, a false word or false, you know, Bible or whatever, or through deceptive teachers and gurus. The Mormons, they're seeking God, but they believe that Jesus is not the Jesus of the Bible. They believe that Jesus and Lucifer are equal and created equal, that they're brothers together. Just, you know, like a yin and the yang kind of thing, you know, just one on the opposite side. But the Bible says that. Satan was cre- is a created being, and Jesus is uncreated. So you got a problem there doctrinally. It's a big one. It's really huge. It's really huge. <laughs> and then the Jehovah's Witnesses, they don't believe that Jesus is God. They just believe that he's another uh, holy man, a guru, someone to be respected, of course, but probably more like the Archangel Michael. That's what they believe. And even Catholicism, yes. Even Catholics believe that Mary is now co-redeemer with Jesus, thus bringing Jesus down and elevating Mary up. 
That's blasphemy. Pope Francis and the Vatican are also condoning same-sex unions and homosexuality. I've got the articles that, that these things are real. They're happening. And one of the great mysteries of the 21st century is this to me. To me personally, it's a mystery. But in the last few years, the Roman Catholic Church has left their constituents. They've left them and have gone further to the left, has made their bed with the liberals and the globalists. And I'm not just going to hang, I'm not just, I'm not just going to uh, put the finger at the, uh, the Catholics either. The Protestants, their churches are splitting over gender issues, over LGBTQ and over uh, CRT and homosexuality. They're, they're splitting. Movements, denominations are splitting in half over this stuff. And even politically, you know, the Republicans, the congressmen and women, many have left the Republican Party and are more liberal than their constituents. Not all of them, but some of them. And the Democratic congressmen and women, they've deserted their constituents. The Democratic Party is not what it used to be. It's completely radical now. They've gone so far left, embracing socialism, communism. But what are you seeking? Are you seeking a political figure? Are you hoping for Donald Trump to win? To save us? I, you know, if he gets, you know, if things go the way they are, I'm just going to be honest with you. Well, let me just say this. <laughs> he is not our savior. I'm glad for him if, if he continues to, to do what he's doing. You know, I mean, it's all good. I, I'm all in, you know, in that sense, because it's the right, you know, you look at all of it together and you're like, it's the lesser of the evils. But he's not our savior. He is not our Savior. Are you looking for a political figure? Whom are you seeking? Are you seeking just a good man whom history, and I'm speaking of Jesus now, are you seeking just a, a good man like Jesus? He's more than a good man, but are you seeking a good man whom history has a lot to say about? Are you seeking a figure whom your parents or grandparents believed in and forced you to go to church to learn more about? Are you seeking a man who's a miracle worker to cure, cure you of your sickness or maybe your disease or maybe someone who might be able to fix your marriage that's on the rocks? Are you seeking for someone who can help you kick your cigarette and gambling habit, your prescription drug or cocaine or heroin addiction? Are you seeking somebody who can clear your guilty conscience from your past sins, your adultery, your fornication, your pornography, your stealing, your lying? Are you seeking Jesus of the Bible or Jesus of your own making? Whom are you seeking? Do you worship a Jesus that allows you to live and be intimate with your girlfriend or boyfriend outside of marriage? It's a different Jesus. Jesus would not condone that. It's sin, and you need to, if you're calling yourself a Christian, you need to turn from that. And there are many people in churches today that are living that way, and they think it's okay, and it's not okay. And I've even known people who have come to Christ while they're struggling with something and the Lord delivers them from their problem or addiction or gives them the spouse of their dreams and then they happily forget who Jesus is and they move about their merry way after all he's done. But are you seeking Jesus? Are you seeking someone who can save your soul? Because only he can and bring you into everlasting life for eternity, forgiving you of all of your sin and changing your life for his glory, becoming a disciple of his forever and being an ambassador of his and a witness for Jesus. Are you seeking the Messiah, the Son of God? 
the only one who can do all these things and much, much more. Jesus didn't just to come, he didn't just come to save your soul. He came to save your soul and your whole body as well. What does it say in 1 Thessalonians 5 verse 23? Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of Jesus Christ. He wants to redeem all of you. Not just one part of you. You're a three-part being. He wants to redeem all of you. And so when this is why when Jesus said to the soldiers, whom are you seeking, why it was such a big deal. Who are you seeking? And what is your purpose? Oh my goodness. Time is flying by. So Jesus said to Peter, put your sword into your sheath. Shall I not drink the cup which my father has given me? This cup that is spoken of here is a cup of wrath. A cup of wrath. In fact, it tells us in Psalm 75, For in the hand of the Lord there is a cup, and the wine is red. It is fully mixed, and he pours it out. Surely its dregs shall all the wicked of the earth drain and drink them. In Ezekiel 23, beginning in verse 31, You have walked in the way of your sister, and God here is speaking through the prophet Ezekiel, speaking to them of the northern ten tribes who had already been taken captive. Now he's looking at Judah and says, You have walked in the way of your sister, the northern ten tribes. Therefore, I will put her cup in your hand. Thus says the Lord God, you shall drink of your sister's cup, the deep and wide one. You shall be laughed to scorn and held in derision. It contains much. And you will be filled with drunkenness and sorrow, the cup of horror and desolation, the cup of your sister Samaria. Speaking of Israel, the northern ten tribes, and you shall drink it and you drain it and you shall break its shards and tear at your own breasts. For I have spoken, says the Lord. Shall I not take of the cup that my Father has given me? Jesus took the cup of God's wrath so that you and I would not have to. If we could have the worship team come on up at this time. Jesus took that cup, and that's why we're going to take communion this morning. Because what he did is he took the wrath of Almighty God for for me, for all of my sin, not just my sins from my past, but the sins in my present and the sins yet in my future. He has died for them all and made provision for us, and that's why we put our faith and our trust in him, the only sacrifice that God would, rec- would, would recognize. It's the only thing that, it's him. That's why he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes unto the Father except through me. He is the bread of life. He poured out his body. His body was broken on the cross. That's why we take the bread. His body, his blood was spilled. Holy blood, the very blood of God, was spilled on the cross for you and for me. What a wonderful provision God has given to us. Amen? Amen. And you and I, when we take this today, that's what we are basically saying. We are communing with the one, saying, Lord, All that you've done for me, I give you my life. If you did all that for me, then you've got to have all of me. Take all of me. 
Have you given Christ all of you? He gave it all for you, and he was almighty God. A small thing for us. Significant, don't get me wrong, but comparatively, a small thing for me to say, Lord, I'm really nothing, and I can't do anything apart from you. I know that to be true. But Lord, such as it is, here's my life. Take me and use me according to your plan, your purposes. I surrender. Have you surrendered? Are you still fighting? Surrender today. And let's remember what he did. And when we take the cup and the bread, that's what we do. We remember what he has done for us. And so after um, we sing a song of worship, while we're singing the song of worship, please come on up and grab the bread and the cup. Bring it back to your seat and we'll take it together, okay? And just think about the setting that we're, we're looking at even this morning in John chapter 18. Jesus is already over in the Garden of Gethsemane and these things are happening. His arrest and going through all of this. And, and just hours before that, just hours before this, he was in that upper room with them doing this very thing that we're doing now. And in chapter 22 of Luke and verse 14, it says, When the hour had come, he sat down at that time. And the twelve apostles with him. And then he said to them, With fervent desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I will no longer eat of it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And then he took the cup and he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And notice what he said here in verse 19. And he took the bread. And he gave thanks, and he broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. And so let's take the bread. And likewise, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. You know what I think interesting there is Jesus said it in the past tense. A covenant doesn't come into effect until after the death of the testator, the one whose testament is written. It doesn't come into effect until after his death. But he says right then, this is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for you as if it was already a done deal. You know why? Because it was. Jesus knew what was coming and he could speak with all authority in heaven. This is what's going to happen. And here it is. The blood of the new testament and so let's partake. In the Middle East, then and even today, sharing a meal, doing what we've done here together, I know it's kind of somewhat informal, or maybe more formal, I should say, than what it was that night. But to share a meal with somebody was basically to, to hold them in honor. And it's basically saying, I want to have a meaningful relationship with you. It wasn't like you and I, you know, we can, 
you know, we, we can go out to dinner with somebody, and we may not really, we like them, you know, maybe, but we're, we're okay. But back in that culture, to actually sit down at a meal was significant. Saying, I want to become one with you, not in a weird way, but just, I want to become one with you in our friendship. I, I'm, I'm here, I'm investing in you. And think of all that Jesus has invested in us. He has. He's invested in us. And he continues to do it through his spirit now, who has indwelt us and who will come upon us at different times for service to give us, to empower us. And you know, Jesus has so much more that he wants to do in and through each of us. But again, I have to ask whom are you serving? Whom are you seeking? Are you seeking something else? Or are you seeking the God of this word of God? Are you seeking Jesus? Make sure that you're seeking Jesus. Not the Jesus that's portrayed on YouTube. Not the Jesus that's portrayed on whatever it may be. Or what somebody else may be saying. And that's why Paul exhorted the Bereans in Acts 17.11, I believe it was. He admonished them because they searched the scriptures daily to see if these things were so. Is it true what they're saying about Jesus? That he had an affair with Mary Magdalene? Does it say that in the Bible? No, but was it some spurious manuscript that they found in the desert somewhere in the Dead Sea? That somebody, the devil was working back then just as much as he is now, by the way. Even Paul had problems with manuscripts, the letters that he would write to them. Somebody would write a letter and say completely, something completely opposite and then sign his name at the end of it. And that's why he had to write Second Thessalonians to straighten out the, the error. So these things were happening. But did Jesus have an affair? No, he didn't. That's a different Jesus. No, but the Jesus of the Bible, he cast out seven demons out of Mary Magdalene. He loved her, but he loved her biblically. He didn't take advantage of her. He was always a gentleman. He was always God in the flesh. He never went to the fleshly things. And so let's stand and let's give him thanks. Lord, we thank you this morning, Lord, just for your example to us. And Lord, of course, you're God and you... There's no sin within you. And yet, God, we look at us and we know that there is sin within us. Even though we are blood-bought Christians, even though we may be born again, Lord, we know that we are susceptible and it's possible for us to fall. And sometimes we do, Lord, and we pray that we would, you would just continue to forgive and cleanse us and give us that gift of repentance, Lord, in anything, in all things that your word has told us about who you are and what you have said. Lord, this is about you, and this is the Jesus that we worship, the one that's in, in between these leather, <laughs> this leather binding that we have on our laps. That is the Jesus that you have approved of. No other Jesus. So Lord, we thank you and praise you and we love you and we look forward to your soon return. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. That's all the time we have for today, but please join us next time as Pastor Rob continues our study in the book of John. 
Calvary Chapel of Rochester is located at 2503 Browncroft Boulevard, Rochester, New York, 14625. You can reach us at our church office between 9 a.m. and 4 p.m. Monday through Friday at area code 585-586-3140. If you would like to have an audio CD of today's message mailed to you in its unedited form, simply mention today's date when contacting our church office. You can also contact us via the web by logging on to www.calvaryrochester.com. There you will be able to access a number of useful things such as our location, service times, information concerning our beliefs, our ministries, contact information, and information regarding Bread of Life Academy, our new school opening in the fall of 2023. Just click the school link at the top of the page for more information. Additionally, you may also download or listen to the radio and sanctuary messages free of charge from the teachings link at the top of the page. To listen to Calvary Chapel of Rochester's Sanctuary Messages or Truth in Christ Radio on your mobile device, just subscribe to both through Google Play Podcast or Apple Podcast. You may also join us on Sundays and Thursdays through live streaming of our services and Bible studies. Just click on the online services link. We're so glad that you could join us today. And if there is any way we can bless you in your walk with Jesus Christ, please don't hesitate to call our church office. Remember, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And for this cause, I have come into the world that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. May God bless you in abundance today as you walk with him. And until next time, this has been Truth in Christ.